watching Inside Automotive with Jim Fitzpatrick. Hi everyone, Jim Fitzpatrick with CBT News. Thanks so much for joining us once again on another edition of Inside Automotive. On today's show, we're so happy to have with us Mr. Brian Benstock, partner GM and VP of Paragon Honda and Paragon Acura. As you probably already know, they're the largest volume dealer group out there with regard to Honda and Acura, so congratulations to you on that, Brian. We're also joined by Alex Vetter of Cars.com. I know you know this young man because he's doing great work for dealers all over the country and their marketing, their operations and such, which we'll uh, talk to him about today. So, you know, I'm gonna start with you, Alex. Uh, from your perspective, you work with, as I mentioned, uh, thousands of dealers all over the country. Uh, 2021, great year profitability. Wise inventory, not so much, but dealers kind of learn, maybe we don't need all the inventory that we once had. Brian's right now laughing, but uh, talk to us from your perspective, some of the takeaways from 2021 and what you want your dealer partners to really focus on and hone in on and some of the areas of concern for 2022. I know it's a loaded question, but jump right in. Well, look, th thanks for having me, Jim and, and, uh, and Brian, great to see you and congratulations on all your success. First of all, 2021 only reaffirmed what we always know, which is there's nobody who's more capable of dealing with challenges and adversities than the local dealer. And the way that, that, that they've navigated this supply chain crisis amongst after COVID and, and so many other examples, it just once again reminds me the strength of the local dealer is the winning model. I think if there was you know, a piece of advice for 2022, I'm glad to be here with Mr. Benstock because I think a lot of dealers need to follow his lead. Take control of your data, take control of your experience, and focus on your customers. And, and if you do that, great things are going to happen for you in 2022. What's your take on that, Brian? Uh, well, I love that. I think, I mean, first of all, I love Alex Vetter. He's, one of the, he's, a, he's an accessible CEO. He's always asking the right questions. Uh, he's not looking to reaffirm uh, his company's greatness, which it is a great company. Uh, he he's wants our input and our feedback. Um, I, I think what he said about uh, the data, the data is critical. And we're seeing shifts in the data. And again, better awareness of the data will help you make better decisions and give you a better outcome. And we're, we're leaning into that. My challenge to Alex is and has been, how do I go transactional on cars.com? I want to go from a VDP page to a VTP <laughs> page. I want uh, a vehicle transaction page. I want to show up in the right place. I want someone who says, I like that. I want them to be able to click and have it delivered to their front door. <laughs> and so I put that on Alex's plate. Uh, nothing big, nothing too uh, difficult uh, to help the dealers to compete with the barbarians at the gate, as Chip Perry calls them, the barbarians <laughs> at the gate that want to take our businesses away from us. How do, how do we use a platform like Cars to really lean into that and become transactional? Well, and to that point, you know, Brian, I'll go back almost uh, eight months ago, Brian and I were talking about the need for marketplaces to become transactional. And Brian wanted to lead that. As you would have known, Jim, I know we, you, you covered as well our recent acquisition of Credit IQ. Mm -hmm. Part of that was to get users deeper in the funnel, delivering them to Brian with full credit approval through his lenders, not through some lender the deal that we do, but sure. rather using his lender network and his existing technology. And so, you know, most technology companies tend to, to go after the uh, the local guy or the little guy, not not you know to to you know paint with a broad brush, but you know. 
I'm proud that our technology model is trying to give power back to guys like Brian because they're doing all the right things with their customers and we just want to enable that. Sure, sure. Well, Let me ask you this question. Um, dealers are, are kind of split on this, on, this, uh, on this issue and that is, should I be advertising right now and, and upping or spending money that I don't necessarily need to spend as some dealers feel, um, Brian shaking his head, uh, during these times when there's there's no cars to sell and every car that comes in is already sold, so what is your what is your answer to those dealers that say should I be, you know should I be advertising right now? Well, Brian, I'd first of all, I'd love to hear your view on this yeah. as a as a, as if, a practitioner. If you don't mind, I'd, I'd be glad to give you an answer on that. In, in, a, in, a, in a supply chain shortage, people are doing what more now than ever? They're searching. So why on God's earth would you cut your search budget at a time when more people now are searching than ever before? The next part of that, the transaction value is much higher than it's ever been before. So you're gonna cut your budget and miss out on these incredible transaction value props that are out there? Third, since less dealers are advertising, the cost to advertise is lower. So you can buy more advertising with less dollars at higher margin at a time when people are searching. I, I, I cannot understand why somebody would cut their search budget. And I leaned in on, on our Acura, I'm on a DAA for Acura and for Honda, saying the same exact thing. What are we going to do with the money that we don't spend? Are we going to put it in the bank and earn no interest on it? Or, or, or employ it in the market? And, and I, I think you know, the, the best way to get margin is to have 10 people that want one car. If 10 people want one car, I can get my seven-year-old daughter, Clementine, to sell all, all of our cars. It's kind of easy. Uh, but, but, you know, again, lots of different ways, lots of different approaches dealer take, uh, dealers take. But I think it's a mistake to step out of the market at, at this time. You know, I, I, by the way, I'd, I'd pile onto that, Jim, and just say that, you know, dealerships I don't think need to advertise, but their cars do need to be found. And, and, and we are seeing this behavior in real time. Search radius on cars.com has expanded wider than ever. People are looking, to Brian's point, much further beyond their immediate geography and they're contacting dealers who have specific assets that they want to acquire, uh, in many cases across state lines. And, and so, you know, I think dealers have got to optimize putting their inventory in places where their, their, their assets can be found. Mm -hmm. And certainly they need to avoid you know, those, those gimmicky race to the bottoms that, that force you to, to give up gross profitability uh, for someone else's gain. For sure, yeah. So talk to us about, uh, you know, the, the, the future of cars.com. We're seeing acquisitions, we're seeing you guys do some really innovative things right now. Um, what, what will cars.com look like in the next five years? Well, look, we, we're just now rolling out our first beta of Credit IQ, which is our lending as a service model to help dealers get, get further along in the sales process. So they don't have to, to staff as many people, and we can enable that with technology. We're also launching our ability to help dealers buy cars directly from the general public. We know that uh, consumers often who are looking to buy a car have one to sell. We're gonna be in pilot mode of basically allowing dealers to have access to buying cars directly from the private market. And you know, some of these other players are, are doing these things, but the difference is, you know, we're, we're trying to enable the local dealer model and not put our, our brand in the middle. Um, I always say to people that, you know, you may use cars.com, but make no mistake, you know you're dealing with a local dealer. 
Yeah. And where a lot of our competition, they really want to make themselves out to be that they are some intermediary uh, doing doing the heavy lifting. But I want Brian to win a customer and, and win a customer at Paragon for life. And, and so we want to promote Paragon. We want to promote what he's doing and allow the users to see what he can bring to the table as opposed to someone else. Right, right. Is that that fits in with our business model. That's exactly what we're looking for. We, we don't, we want less intermediaries. We want to cut the tech stack down. And in fact, any, anybody that we're adding to the tech stack, we, we ask them, what, which two technologies are you replacing? Because you know, the more people that we have in that funnel, the more uh, vendors slash partners that you have in that funnel, I think the, the worse uh, the customer experiences. And you've got data flying all over the place. You've got customer information flying all over the place. I think to have a, a, you know, a, a single source of truth, one throat to choke, uh, can help you get better eyes on what's going on. So you know, uh, to Alex's point, I, I appreciate the, the way that they're doing it. They're not trying to be the be-all, end-all to the consumer. They're letting the dealers do that because it is that relationship that we want to have, that 360 relationship, sell them the car, service the car, sell them another car, that, that, that counts. And, and by allowing the dealers to lean in like that, I think it's the, the right direction. With as fast as the industry is changing right in front of our eyes, I mean, there's, there's almost every area of the retail operation, automotive retail operation is changing. It's some more than others, some areas more than others. Um, Brian, is, is, will there always be a need for a cars.com type company in, in, your, in your makeup? Sure, you're making it easier for customers to access large inventories at one place. And you know, I think that's a value for me as a consumer. When I'm looking to buy something, I want to go to a marketplace where I can see many examples of that, that, I'm, what, that I'm looking for, uh, as opposed to just going to a single source. Uh, so I, I think there will always be uh, a need for third-party aggregators. So, so long as those third-party aggregators don't try and take over our business, you know, I'm in favor of that. You look at what Amazon did with um, uh, Toys R Us, right? They said, hey, list your toys on Amazon. We'll sell lots of toys for you. And, and, and Toys R Us did it. And, and then you know, uh, all of a sudden, the, uh, Amazon got the data from Toys R Us and said, we could do this ourselves and cut out <laughs> Toys R Us. And one Jeffrey beat up the other Jeffrey. Jeffrey the giraffe <laughs> got the stuffing punched out of him and they went out of business. So we, we've got to make sure that that virus-host relationship uh, is, is, uh, maintains its proper uh, uh, guidelines there so that right. we're, we're not uh, giving our data and our customers and our future to any of these third-party aggregators. That's right. You know, and by the way, I think it's an important definition going into 22 to help the industry understand these subtle differences. I think Bill Gates was the one that famously coined the phrase, there's a big difference between an aggregator and a platform. And, and I'll paraphrase here, but Gates basically wanted to say that an aggregator takes your data for their selfish gain, where a platform enables your data to stand on its own merit and, and generate value on behalf of the participant. And so in this case, you know, most other marketplaces withhold customer information to generate lead gen so that they can get paid and even raise rates. Our model, we see a different future. We see that consumers who go to the dealer's website are sometimes three to four times more likely to close. And so if dealers were to look at their backend data, we're the only marketplace that's generating three times as many people directly into the dealer's website as we are a legion because we're promoting Paragon's name, we're giving clear call to actions to visit Brian's website, 
Brian is posting, you know, his ratings and reviews and what he's doing on service. And we're merchandising Paragon as much as we are the inventory. And so dealerships, I think, have got to realize giving your inventory away um, doesn't really build your brand, doesn't really right. build your business, unless you're working with a platform like Cars, who really is about featuring the dealer as much as we are, you know, the car. Sure. Alex and his team, they're the uncola because that's not, that's not been what's going on. These third-party lead providers have been uh, stealing our business, using our uh, inventory to give them search relevance and, and driving our costs up, even though it's our inventory that's causing uh, the leads to come in. They're charging us for, for the leads. And I, I won't mention uh, the, the, the uh, agency that we kicked to the curb. And when we, you know what happened, Alex? We got rid of them. You know what happened? Our business went up, our costs went down. And so, you know, and they're still using our inventory. So, you know, it, it's, um, I like the differentiation that you uh, gave us there. I, I do think yours is a platform and a platform is where we want to be. That's right, that's right. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you, Mr. Alex Vetter of cars.com and Brian Benstock at Paragon Honda, Paragon Acura. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Inside uh, Automotive here on CBT Automotive Network. We very much appreciate it. Let's have a great year, Jim. Thank you. Great. Take care, Alex. Thanks. Thanks for watching Inside Automotive with Jim Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, Pash, Kane, Lewis, Greenfield, Reed, Dawson, Lopes, Rice. The best lineup in retail automotive. CBTNews.com. Subscribe today.